Most people know him as the unlikely rapper who catapulted to fame in 2013 after convincing millions of fans around the world to go pop some tags and head to the thrift shop. Others will cite him as the best rap album winner at the 2014 Grammys, beating out legendary fellow nominees Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, Drake, and Kanye West. A win so controversial that Macklemore himself went on the record to say that Kendrick Lamar was robbed of the win. When we got, like, the first... When we were at the nominations and, and the nominations come out, um, you know, first and foremost, Kendrick is a friend of mine. He's somebody that I, I love his music. And in my opinion, had the best rap album of the year. Um, and knowing how the Grammys usually go, I knew that there would be a great chance that we would win that award and, and in essence, Rob Kendrick. So um, that's what happened tonight. It's, uh, it it kind of sucks. I mean... I think that there. I think we made a great album. I think that Kendrick made a better rap album, and, and that's what it is. Through no fault of his own, Macklemore took a hit in the public eye following the Grammys. And despite releasing other albums following his meteoric breakout year and charting on Billboard, he couldn't quite recapture that lightning in a bottle. Can I wait to get older? Can I wait to be some? Now that I'm here, wishing I was still young. After taking a six-year hiatus from music, in 2023, Macklemore returned to the airwaves with his third studio album, Ben, a project that showed a more serious side of the artist, as the lyrics navigate their way through fatherhood, sobriety, and his subsequent relapse. While he has yet to reclaim the commercial heights of the heist, his album Ben garnered positive reviews from critics and cracked the top 20 on the Billboard 200, spawning five singles, Maniac, Faithful, Heroes, no bad days and chant. This is my moment. They can't take my talent. They can't take my stripes. They can't erase my hours. I'm from the underground. Anything above ground is a mountain. I'm done trying to impress anybody, but the heavens where I'm headed, you don't get to hold on to your flowers. I am in my zone. This is the Spout Podcast, where famous people spout off about more than what they're famous for. And in a special live episode from Portland, Oregon, today, that's Macklemore. Here's Eric Zachary. Some people know him as Ben Haggerty. OGs might know him as a professor. He's an entrepreneur. He's a musician. He's a songwriter. He's a rapper. But the world knows him as Macklemore. Make some noise. What's up, Portland? How's it going? Yes. Look at where we started, look where we got to. Mm -hmm. One of the first lines off chant. Yeah. One of the first things you hear a couple bars in off then, which came out in March. Fans in the audience, yes. It's been a wild road, man, to say the least. It has. Three years ago, you posted a video with Sloan, and your daughter, for Christmas, and you gave her her own bobblehead. You think you've done enough in your life to deserve a Sloan bobblehead? Yeah. What are some of the greatest things that you've done in your four and a half years on this earth? Got a bobblehead for my dad eight years ago for Mother's Day. In this entire adventure, looking back, the ups, the downs, the craziness, at what moment do you think Macklemore deserved his own bobblehead? <laughs> when I got it. <laughs> I think it was divine timing, 
And uh, no, I don't even remember when I got a bobblehead, but it's very cool to have your own bobblehead. Yeah. It's a very, my kids go down to the garage. We still have like a box of them, like, you know, in some, some Tupperware and they pull it out and they break its head off and then they get another one. <laughs> And uh, there's no respect there with that bobblehead. <laughs> Metaphorically, with that bobblehead, we're just going to keep this going for a second. Uh, when was the moment that you were like, okay, this isn't just a 15-year-old Ben thing anymore? You know, we're, we're doing something bigger and better. I mean, it happened so gradually. Um, and it's different moments, right? I, I think that there's, there's moments where people are, you know, all of a sudden you're playing in front of... 200 people in a city that you're not from and you're like whoa this is this is different it's different than it was and then that turns into 500 people and that turns into 2,000 people and So I think it's a gradual thing and it's not it's not it feels linear but it it should be linear, but it doesn't necessarily feel like that. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like going up and down in this way. And um, one thing that I've always come back to is just like, I've always wanted to make music. I've always wanted to perform. And finding the gratitude in that is where my fulfillment lies. It's like, I was thinking about it today. I remember playing the Satyricon here. And it was in like, July and it was 109 degrees outside so it was 209 degrees in the Satyricon and I almost passed out like literally almost passed I was it was still to this date the hottest show that I have ever done and sometimes when I need to dig deep at a concert I'm like remember the Satyricon don't forget where you came from don't you forget. got this artist's dream is to tour around the world and perform for their fans. That is, until after a few albums when the tour becomes a grind and life on the road becomes harder and harder, as it pulls you away from your family and home. But after a six-year hiatus, Macklemore is fresh and ready to reconnect with not only his fans, but the magic of a live show, and why he started this all in the first place. The music. I made it through the To go off of hot venues, you just posted something I loved on Instagram, which is that you're rediscovering a love for venues and the power of which these houses of music hold yeah. for people that attend it. Uh, that was specifically about the rave in Milwaukee, um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's it's across the, the world and, and places you perform. You know what is so amazing about this experience here in Portland is I can literally see all of you. This is small as hell. It is so intimate. And what I love about this experience is that the last three weeks have been a real reconnection for me in this music. And stripping away my own masks and getting closer to my art and the people that have come out to experience it with me. And I think for a lot of this year it was like, you know, you go to Europe and you know, these festivals and like there's so many people and there's all that energy. It's a completely different sport. But this is the sport that I came up in right here it's these moments 
It's these venues where you sharpen your blade. I come here like, let's put on a show, the same show that we would for 60,000 people in front of these 2,000 people here tonight. Friday night, Sunday night, does not matter. The show gets 100% every time. You bring a show that is not just a man playing his music. It is a performance. It is a house of spiritual gathering. Uh, you had a moment a couple days ago, you invite kids on stage for a dance off and there was this young girl, Willow, who had a little, you know, slip. I wanted to just run off of that stage and get my mom. I really wanted to cry because it's like, so embarrassing to fall in front of the whole world. I've slipped in front of the entire world before. And you know what you did? You got back up and you kept dancing. You not only made her feel better, you empowered her in that moment. You reminded her that we all slip. Is that something that comes to your mind right when you see that happen? When you, when you see someone slip up, is it just a, uh, okay. Does it all come flushing back to you? No, no. I, I saw her slip and I was like, damn. <laughs> For those that didn't see, I mean, it was a high kick, but yeah. <laughs> she still did she, it. She still she did it. A lot up. of people, we cut it before she fell. A lot of people thought she was doing the death drop. And if you saw that in person, that was not a death drop. Um, but you know what? I, you know, you immediately are like, oh my God, I feel so bad. And everyone in the audience is like, <sighs> And you're just like, come on, get up, you got this, you know? And I think that um, she, remind, she reminded me of my slips. It was like, that. She, Willow was our greatest teacher that night. And I think that what I have really been trying to do on this tour, more so than, you know, because in Europe, it's like, it's bigger and it's um, these massive festivals this summer. And to get back to America and to really get into the essence of what this is about, which is a connection to the audience and um, a connection to my own craft. And I've been going out and, you know, I went on a walk in Toronto and listened to my old music. And I'm like, what does this mean to me? This is more than just me, like putting together the same set list every night and saying the same thing in between songs. This is an opportunity for me to get a deeper, um, you know, experience through my own art and to share that with everyone that's coming out and like I've been doing this for a really long time now and to still be able to um you know I mean Portland you know sold out these two shows like in the pre-sale right away like to still be able to do that and to and to get in front of the people and have those moments like, you know, whether it's with Willow or so many different moments, you know, there was a woman in a wheelchair the other day that did the dance off and, and just like empowering herself, just like in her bag in a wheelchair. And I was like, this is reminding me the power of music and the power of human connection. Another perk to tour life is visiting cities and countries all around the world and perhaps discovering another form of art that inspires you. For Macklemore, it's photography. You noted that you're, um, you were walking in Toronto and listening to music. When you're in all these different cities, obviously we know Seattle loud and proud. I mean, that's not a secret, but you do have a connection and you, you make a point of experiencing these cities that you stop in that you've been in maybe a hundred times. Is there in a perfect world, and let's take the logistics of scheduling and sound checks out of it a little bit, but when you have a little bit of extra time, what do you like to do when you're in a new city? Well, I got a camera. 
and I've been taking a lot of pictures. Um, my Instagram is Colt Fringes Film. And you can see a lot of sneaky pictures of me taking creepy photos of strangers <laughs> on the street. It's great. And it's justifiable in my head because I'm like, you know how many people have taken creepy pictures of me before? It's payback. Um, so I really enjoy that. I enjoy documenting. I think for so for so many years, it's really easy to like get into a city and be like, all right, I'm in Portland. I'm I'm gonna go to Nike Town. Yeah, and um, maybe. Yeah, and I went to Nike Town today. But <laughs> he's shooting himself in the foot as but, he said it. Yeah. I like. I want to get outside. I want to do different stuff. I've. I, I don't need any more things. I think that it's about getting out side and nature and and meeting people and eating great food and walking and just being a part of and I got to do that Sloan's here today she came down she's going to be with me for the week on tour so we went to the the Saturday market and um, bought random trinkets and until my card got declined and I couldn't <laughs> and I couldn't get a Uber uh, Lime scooter back that's why I'm a little bit late okay I had a plan I was going to Uber scooter. <laughs> that thing was just like, no, you're not, brother. Decline. Chase Bank. I went to the moped store with shoppers. The salesman's like, what up? What's your budget? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know nothing about mopeds. He said, I got the one for you. Follow me. Ooh, it's too real. Chrome down me, I don't need a windshield. Banana seat, I can't be on two wheels. 800 cash, that's a hell of a deal. I'm headed. The beauty of being an artist, and in Macklemore's case, a good father, is that when your child expresses an interest or talent in the arts, you can help facilitate their dreams. As was the case with his seven-year-old daughter, Sloan, who directed the video for his single, No Bad Days. Macklemore shared a touching video to his Instagram of the moment he asked her to direct. Shout out to um, to Sloan, by the way. Yes. Uh, directing No Bad Days. I'm a little bit nervous asking this, if I'm being honest. We know how the other day you were doing the Bowie Boys, like producing, you know exactly what you wanted. I was so impressed with your work ethic, with your eye. I love her visual aesthetic. I absolutely love her style. I've been trying to think of a music video for No Bad Days. Yeah. Crazy idea. If you don't like it, we don't have to do it. No Bad Days, music video, I need a director. And I was thinking, what if you directed the music video? Rainy days don't seem so wet. Is that a yes? That's a yes? That's a yes? No Bad Days? Music video? We've seen this video. Excellent job, by the way. Uh, you're a proud dad, I can tell, but yes. you should be. I mean, that's that's that was no small feat. Yeah. There was there was no dream too big for that video. I did notice she had a camcorder, and some of the footage wasn't used in the final cut. Did you make like a family cut of what was being filmed, or do you have the raw footage that maybe wasn't put out publicly? Oh, there's definitely a lot of a lot of raw footage out there. I mean, any music video that we do, there's so much excess sure. material, and it's and it's um it's tough because you're like you have these moments that you're like, this doesn't quite, this moment's better than this yeah. moment, but they're close and the world's never going to get to see that. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the hard part about making any sort of art. You know, there's verses that the world will, 
we'll never get to hear and in pieces of content, but that's just part of it. Well, the world does get to hear your art night after night at the, on the, the Ben tour. Uh, and this is from what I can tell, I'm excited to experience this and I have not seen it yet. Um, but as I said earlier, it's not just a concert, it's a performance. It's a, it's a music house of, of spiritual energy and everyone's coming together. That's gotta be trying to do that every single night. Is there a point, not that you don't want to do it, but maybe a point in the set that like if everything's not going great or maybe just like it's a little bit lackluster, you're that crowd's still getting into it. What's the song you look forward to the most in a set? I will say that if it feels like that, that's my fault. That's my issue. Those are my expectations that I'm putting on things being the right way, the way that I want them to be. And my goal when I'm on stage is to not feed into my own expectations and being like, oh, we're in Milwaukee. Like they were, they were hyper last time. Like, why isn't this, you know, feel the same? It's like, no, this is exactly the way that it's supposed to be right now. And it's my job to be a conduit, to get out of my own way. And, um, and it's probably in terms of actually answering your question, I think, um, I think it depends because it is a battle. It's a mental and physical battle. And, you know, like tonight we're in like a, a small theater. Um, the sm I think it's the smallest one on the entire tour. And there can be moments of like, you know, having to dig really deep to be in that place of, of gratitude and appreciation. And um, so I try to bring it back the minute that I feel my mind going to like, mm, I can't hear myself or like, mm, that person didn't hit their choreo or like, ooh, I missed that part. I'm off tonight. I should have, you know, eaten or eaten more or whatever. I just try to come back to that like, yo, everything is exactly what it's supposed to be. And so each song is different. You know, I think that there's been like moments on this tour where, um, I mean, obviously like Can't Hold This is gonna go crazy every time. It's like the last song in the set, so I have to find gratitude throughout the entire experience. Return to the Mac, get up what it is, what it does, what it is, what it isn't. Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hit me get up. First shot, come strut walking, a little bit of humble, a little bit of cautious, somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby's for the game. Nope, nope, y'all can't copy. One thing you can say about Macklemore is that he has always been self-aware regarding his position in the music industry. So much so that he wrote a song titled White Privilege off his 2005 album, The Language of My World. You've always spoken um, on authenticity since the very beginning. Uh, 2005 on your album, you had a song called White Privilege. And this is before many people, myself, naive, we didn't hear that term yet. Where's my place in the music that's been taken by my race? Cultural appropriated by the white face. And we don't want to admit that this is existence. So scared to acknowledge the benefits of our white privilege. Because it's human nature to want to be part of something different. Especially when your ancestors are European Christians. And most whites don't want to acknowledge this is occurring. Because we got the best deal, the music without the burden. What made a, a 2005 Macklemore realize like, hey, this is a message that needs to go out there. I mean, I know it was situationally based as well of what you were experiencing where you were, but 
that was a message that needed to be heard that you amplified at a time when most people, especially white people, weren't doing that. You know, I think that for me, music is a means of finding my truth, finding the truth about the world, my place in it. And this was a time period where there was kind of a change. I was in 2000, I started writing that in 2003. There was like a changing of the guard, it was 20 years ago. There was a changing of the guard happening in terms of, um, of pop culture and hip hop music. And of course you had, you know, you had different eras throughout the 90s of, of hip hop becoming bigger and bigger. But then once M kind of opened up those, those floodgates, it became a different demographic that was going to hip hop shows and I was seeing that and I just wrote about it and I wrote about my place in in the culture questioning cultural appropriation where I stood and that's what art always is it's like the the paper is a means of reflection it's a means of um getting to that core and exploration and one of the things I never wanted to do was just be like, I'm a white guy that raps and let's just pretend like that's not the case and keep benefiting off of the culture versus examining it. And um, at the very least, being honest about my place in it. Authenticity at its core. Love that. Nobody want to say goodbye. We just want to stay up. That's right. Don't got to say goodnight. If you never OG Macklemore fans will remember his producing counterpart, Ryan Lewis, who was side by side with him on multiple albums, including The Heist, and their numerous Grammy wins before the two split ways in 2017. But understandably, it left a lot of fans wondering why. Ben is out. One of the producers on this is Ryan Lewis. A year ago, you posted, or almost a year ago, uh, this kind of reconstruction skit of you guys seeing each other for the first time at a store. Hey, dude. Good to see you, man. Why were you ducking me? I, no, I wasn't. I thought, I saw that, I heard it, but I thought you were talking yeah, to somebody else. I was like literally yelling I your didn't name. I recognize you. How have you been? I'm busy. I'm like super busy. With what? Music, clothing, entrepreneurial ships. Like all the things. I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually the happiest that I've ever been. Yeah, I'm actually like looking at buying the store. I bet you are. Yeah. Are you like working with any white rappers? No, I'm off that. Okay. At this point. Right. You look great. Seriously, oh, like you're, you're glowing. I appreciate that. I've been working on it. Yeah. You know, I'm drastic. I'm like smaller, bigger, bigger, smaller. Yeah. And calorie counting. How's music? Really good, actually. Just like mastering the craft. Like you've really? heard of like triplets, like what the Migos does? Yeah. I can do that now. Are you gonna do different raps or is it gonna be the same old shit? Oh, it's a ton of new rhythms. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a bunch of new stuff. You singing? I'm, I am. You are? I am, I actually auto-tune got really good. Auto tune no I can go both. I can oh. go both, literally switch dance, auto-tune, no auto-tune. I can do like, um, I'm an island boy. You know how like you would always do my vocals and it would sound like, yeah. I feel like I finally dialed in the perfect vocal chain with like the reverb. I did that. What have you been working on? You know, I'm just floating through. Kesha, Greatest Showman, right. Dan and Shay, Platinum Records, shit that's charting, some billboard stuff. You're charting? I don't know. 
It's been really good to see you, bro. It's been great to see you, too. And um, I know you're busy, but oh, no. we should, like, I don't know, do something sometime. I'm down. Yeah? I'm super down. Yeah. All right. Hit me up. Same number. All right. I'm going to hit you. I feel like a lot of people can sympathize with losing a friend or becoming estranged from a business partner or a family member. When you guys did reconnect, how did you toe the line of, hey, let's be friends again before we work together? And how fast did that happen? Man. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite color? <laughs> Thank you, blue, green. Uh, um. <laughs> That's a really personal question. That's fair. That's and, fair. and I do not shy away from personal questions at all. I. It's weird. Ryan's really been on my mind and my heart the last couple days, and um, my voice isn't isn't up to shape, so I haven't called him, but I've been meaning to. And um, yeah, I think that that period, you know. That breakup was hard, I think, for both of us. And it was hard in different eras, you know? And I think the one thing that remains the same is whenever I see Ryan, whenever I talk to Ryan, um, there is uh, so much love for what, for the music that we've made together and the friendship and brotherhood that we had and have. It, it's one of those people that, it doesn't feel like there's a day, you know, it's like, oh, I just saw you yesterday, even though it's been two years. And um, and I'm rooting for him always. And I think that that's that's at the forefront of everything. And I don't remember exactly, you know, the parameters around seeing him for the first time. But I know that I wanted to connect on a human being level more than just like get into like the you know what bpm and what key are we going with and what's this song about it's like no let's just like have fun and go get coffee and and talk and that's where actual like real connection and music comes from it's sometimes so easy to get caught up in the mind in the studio and um i think throughout the years ryan has like got into his bag just in terms of like living life and, and loving it. And I think that I've done the same thing. And when we create together, there's still that spark and that magic. I appreciate the honesty and the openness. Thank you. We'll end on this super quick. What's your favorite Capri Sun flavor? <laughs> Is that more in the, the line we were looking for? Pacific Cooler, baby. Let's go. Portland, make some noise for Macklemore. There you go. Our second official Spout podcast of 2024 and my personal first one hosting this year. Uh, my name's Eric Zachary. You've probably heard my colleague and friend Tamara Dia is a host as well. She had the first episode that just aired a few weeks back with Charlie XCX. If you've heard the Spout podcast before, you know it's all about authenticity and just conversations that you're not hearing everywhere. Macklemore is the epitome of that. Now, this is his second appearance on the Spot Podcast, but it's my personal first time talking to him. And I hope that the transparency and authenticity of which he spoke and we were able to keep an open dialogue 
uh, really registered because it was that special. It was amazing to have a live studio audience for that one as well. This is something that we're trying to do more. If you ever want to be in said audience, keep an ear to the ground, which is an old fashioned sentence. I mean, follow us on Instagram at Spout Podcast. The Spout Podcast, by the way, is nothing new. We are entering our third year, which is crazy to say out loud. We've gotten the chance to talk to so many cool artists over the years from Niall Horan to Ed Sheeran, Melanie Martinez, Cardi B. Uh, most recently, like I said, Chili XCX, Dua Lipa, Jesse Murph, Luke Combs. The list goes on and on and on. What I'm trying to say is you have some homework to do if you want to catch up on some of these conversations, because that's what we like to do on spot as well is try to keep them as timeless as possible. Uh, yeah, we might have talked to Zara Larson earlier last year, but did you know that she's learning to fly a helicopter? I just think it's something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. Yeah. I started off wanting to fly airplanes and um, careful. Mm. I'm an airplane guy, so mm. don't offend me. <laughs> what is it, too easy? Is that it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not something she's talking about every day. Benson Boone, who is all over Instagram and TikTok with his track, Beautiful Things. We talked to him almost two full years ago about his travel essentials when he started the tour more. Hammock. That's what he travels with, a hammock. It saved my butt one time. Um, so I had to go to Nashville where, mm-hmm. you know, my, my producer was, um, JT. And I, went, I flew out to see JT. It was like last minute of last minutes. Like... A, I literally had like 20 minutes to get through security to my flight, got to Nashville, recorded the part. And then, of course, I was flying back on Spirit Airlines and my flight was canceled. And so (laughs) I had to I had to get another flight for the next morning at like 6 a.m. But their lounge was under construction, so I could not stay in the airport. And so. I literally, I had my hammock, so I walked to, I, well, I took an Uber, it was like eight minutes to the nearest park, and I just set up my hammock and slept for like three hours and then went back to the airport and got my flight in the morning. I will never not have my hammock. And that is not even scratching the surface. You can catch up on previous Spout episodes, of course, wherever you get your podcast. A lot of what you hear in video form as well on YouTube, as well as, of course, clips on Instagram at Spout Podcast. So in the meantime, on behalf of all of us here at Spout, my name is Eric Zachary. You can follow me directly at E-R-I-K-Z. And I'll see you next time. See ya. To see more of this conversation, search Spout Podcast on all social networks and be sure to subscribe and follow. Plus, sign up at spoutpodcast.com to win tickets, merch, or even the chance to meet our guests. This episode of the Spout Podcast is presented by Alpha Media, written and narrated by Tamara Dia, produced by Mark Long, and created by Phil Becker. Spout.